0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of CBIA's BizCast. I'm Shannon King. This morning, I talked with Alex Putterman from the Hartford Current, who's been covering the coronavirus pandemic. Alex has been diligent in tracking the virus data, which includes number of tests taken, the positive test rate, hospitalizations, and deaths. The state has been using these metrics to guide Connecticut to its first phase of reopening, which was officially this past Wednesday, May 20th, I asked Alex where Connecticut's COVID-19 data is trending, how we compare to neighboring states, and how data should inform everyone that the safety measures we've all become accustomed to, like social distancing, wearing a face mask, and washing your hands frequently, are working, and that we shouldn't let up on our efforts. As always, please rate, review, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, I hope everyone has a beautiful, safe, and healthy Memorial Day weekend. We'll see you back here next week with more conversations from across Connecticut. And here is my conversation with Alex. So Alex, how are you doing this morning?
1: Shannon, I'm doing pretty well. How about you?
0: I'm doing well. Um, It's going to be a beautiful holiday weekend, so it's something to look forward to. So you have been covering the coronavirus since the shelter-in-place or maybe even before that. So first question I want to ask you. What has it been like covering this pandemic in Connecticut as a reporter?
1: It's strange because usually when you think of big stories, you imagine running around and chasing people down. And, and the truth is, most of the reporting I've done, I've done from my living room because you know we're, we're all in place and, and most of the officials are, are at home. And so it's been a lot of phone calls, a lot of um, chasing down doctors and experts and you know, briefings with the governor and and things like that. Um, it's it's crazy. You know, it's stressful as you know, as everyone can imagine. But uh, it's it's strange. It's probably unlike most other you know major stories that journalists have covered over the past you know decades.
0: We're both pretty young people, and I can't imagine or remember another news story like this that has affected. Um, Everyone across the world, uh, no matter what, uh, where you live or what your life is like, this has affected you in some way. How, how is this going to shape uh, the way that you report or just the way that young people are going to look at the world?
1: Yeah, I, I think you're totally right that unlike previous news stories, which might have been interesting to everybody, this one really affects everybody day to day. I think it, it's impossible to really even anticipate the fallout long term. I think it's going to, you know, massively change aspects of life, how we think about the world, you know, for better or for worse. I don't know. Will it make us scared? Will it make us grateful when we've returned to, um, you know, some degree of normalcy? It's it's really hard to say. But if you think about how previous major events you know, Watergate for people who are in their formative years then or nine eleven for people who were in their formative years then or mm-hmm. the uh, financial crisis. Um, this, I think, is bigger and more profound in many ways than any of those things, because like you said, it personally touches almost every single person in the state, in the country, in the world.
0: Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. So the reason that I reached out to you is because you've been the go-to numbers guy uh, for the coronavirus data. So the number of positive tests, uh, the number of overall tests that have been uh, taken and reported to the state, Um, hospitalizations, and unfortunately deaths. You've been tracking all this since the beginning and it's been really great and really interesting to look at. Um, So I wanted to go over some numbers with you. So uh, we're recording this on Friday morning. um, So we do not have the Friday numbers yet. Um, But currently the current positive test uh, number right now is 39,000 tests. And positive tests are stable right now. So what does this indicate for you?
1: So I think I've moved away a little bit from looking at pure positive tests and started looking at positive tests as a percentage of the number of tests conducted because as testing has ramped up, that inevitably has caused some amount of increase in positive tests because there are just more people getting tested. At the beginning, people who had minor symptoms were being told to you know stay home and tough it out. Now, if you have minor symptoms, you're being encouraged to go and get that test. So that is a big difference. So the fact that uh, positive tests have been largely stable recently is actually pretty good news because if tests are stable, but we're doing more of them, then that means that the percentage is lower, and you can you can see that uh, the percentage of positive tests has really dropped. Um, yesterday it was at a kind of a new low, only three percent of positive tests came back positive. Over the last week or so, it's been about eight percent, which is drastically down from where it was a few weeks or. Uh, a couple months ago. So that is, uh, that is mostly good news. Obviously it's never good news when people are getting sick, but it does seem at least like there are maybe fewer people getting sick than there were, you know, in mid to late April.
0: Yeah, certainly when we had our peak in April. Um, so the state has a goal of last time I checked, um, it was 42,000 tests a week. Um, and they had that goal set, uh, by May 20th. Um, so, you know, here we are on the 22nd. So how has the state actually achieved that? And, um, sort of going back to what you said, who is actually able to get a test? Because at the beginning of this, it was only, like you said, um, people with symptoms, uh, but now that there are capabilities, uh, for people who are, frankly, asymptomatic, or don't even know if they've been exposed, that they are able to get a test. So how how did the state achieve that?
1: Yeah, so the latest number, I just looked it up real quick, 47,000 tests or so have been reported over the last seven days. So the state has achieved its goal. The next goal, I believe, is 50,000 by the end of the month. So a little bit more to go before uh, we get there. Um, the state has made an active effort to test Uh, nursing home patients, um, nursing home workers, people um, who are incarcerated, as well as Department of Correction staff, um, all sort of people in these congregant uh, settings that are susceptible to spread. Um, They've also made kind of a push to test in urban areas, which have seen more um, cases and more deaths than suburban and rural areas for many reasons, including just the fact that they're more densely populated and it's easier to spread. So that's kind of what they've been doing, and they've also contracted with several laboratories, including the laboratory at Yale New Haven Hospital, as well as the Jackson Laboratory in Farmington. And those labs have capacity to crank out thousands of tests a day. So it's sort of a two pronged thing the sample collection um, in those vulnerable groups, and then the uh, test processing at the lab the state has contracted with. Um, testing is going to continue to increase. You know, a lot of outside. Experts kind of say that even Connecticut's testing goal was not really ambitious enough and that we should be doing a lot more testing than we are. So they're going to continue to try to ramp that up as they can.
0: Yeah, and that's really great to hear that the state has been able to um, exceed their goal. Going back to hospitalization rates versus death rates. So what is the relationship between those two things? So hospitalizations are down, but I have noticed that deaths are fairly steady. So does that mean um, are more people being discharged or are more people, uh, unfortunately, succumbing to the virus and its complications?
1: Uh, it's a little bit of both there's no doubt that that deaths have not fallen off quite as quickly as hospitalizations have, and uh, there are several reasons for that now. I should be clear that deaths are down from the peak in April, so it's not that we've made you know no progress there. I think part of it is that, as the governor likes to say, deaths are a lagging indicator because you know you're hospitalized one day and you aren't going to you know die immediately, so it takes a little while for the death to register. So how many people die today is not really a reflection of how much spread of the virus there is today. It's more a reflection of how much spread of the virus was there a few weeks ago. So it's necessarily going to lag a little bit. If a few weeks from now, deaths have not come down, I think that will be a greater cause for alarm. I do think that, uh, you know, you'd like to see, and it's been a little all over the place. Uh, yesterday or the day before, there were fewer deaths than there, there had been. You'd really like to see the death number be the one that, that comes down sharply. You know, Connecticut has the third or fourth highest uh, death rate of any state from COVID-19. So we'll see. Um, I think if you want to be hopeful, the fact that uh, deaths are kind of that lagging indicator is a reason to think that uh, maybe, just maybe, um, hospitalizations are is kind of the, the true metric and hospitalizations have, have dropped pretty steadily. Um, and deaths do count as part of you know that decline in hospitalizations, but but so do discharges, and there have been you know plenty of patients discharged from hospitals during this.
0: So you've been all over the Connecticut data. Have you been comparing this to other New England states or even New York who we neighbor? Have you seen any data trends in those states that over the past couple weeks or even other states that have been open over the past couple weeks? So Connecticut yeah, yeah So Connecticut joined as the 50th state to uh, reopen in some sort of limited capacity. Uh, we opened this past Wednesday. So what have you been seeing in other states?
1: Yeah, so as for the other northeastern states, you know, they've all kind of been hit hard. I'm looking right now at at most um, deaths per capita, and it goes, well, actually, I'm looking at cases per capita. It goes New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, uh, then Connecticut. You know, it's all the northeastern states' uh, deaths. It's similar to New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts. So the northeast has really been hit hard, and for what it's worth, you know, Connecticut has gone from maybe fourth in cases per capita down to, um, sixth, but we're also not testing quite as much as some other states. So that could be part of it. Um, as for states that have reopened, I think there've been kind of mixed results so far. So Georgia reopened kind of early and people were worried that there was going to be some huge spike. And that really hasn't happened, which is good news. Um, other places there have been some spikes. Um, Texas had to roll back some, reopening in a certain part of the state because of a flare-up there. So it it seems maybe just a little bit too early to know. I mean, the good news is it's not as though, you know, states reopen and immediately have been slammed. So that gives you some hope that maybe if we uh, do the reopening cautiously, I mean, I actually had a story published yesterday about this. A colleague and I talked to a bunch of different experts, and most of them kind of said You know, there might be some increased transmission as you reopen, but you can counter that if everybody wears masks, if everybody maintains uh, six feet of distance, if the state does a good job testing and contact tracing. So to a large extent, what happens now is kind of in people's hands. You know, if you don't want to see that spike and you don't want to have to go back to staying at home all the time, then what you have to do is is wear your mask and, and avoid, you know, infecting other people or becoming infected yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is the part where personal responsibility, um, but also responsibility for everyone around you um, to be able to keep that, keep those rates low and keep that transition, uh, the transmission of the virus as low as possible. So we just hit phase one of reopening Um But the governor did announce the other day, he laid out um, sort of a rough outline for phase two and a rough outline of phase three. So phase two is set for June 20th. Um, What goals does Connecticut need to hit to allow for phase two um, to go through uh, successfully?
1: So far, they've not been as specific about goals for phase two as they were about goals for phase one. And I don't know if more specific goals are coming or if they're just kind of uh, taking it easier this time with the reopening committee having disbanded as of Wednesday. Um, They don't, one of the key metrics is they don't want to see a large rise in hospitalizations. Um, they, They have testing goals. They want to increase their contact tracing. It's kind of similar stuff, just for now. There aren't necessarily uh, metrics attached to it. A big thing is obviously having healthcare capacity. Right now, uh, the state is doing well in that regard. You know, Hospitals are uh, engaging in procedures that they'd previously postponed, and they're encouraging people to visit. So if you're sick, you know, they want you to go visit the hospital. Um, but if hospitalizations increased again and uh, suddenly there weren't healthcare capacity, that would be something that would certainly uh, put off the second phase of the reopening. So for now, it's, it's definitely kind of wait and see. You know, some of it is, is again, you know, people not infecting each other. And then some of it is, will the state be able to continue to ramp up its testing and its contact tracing? Because those are really uh, essential elements.
0: Are there any other data points that you've been looking at that would um, be interesting to especially business owners or other individuals um, during this reopening period? Is there anything else that you're looking at that's significant in your eyes?
1: I think we've we've really covered most of it. I mean, the big things to realize are that the trends are generally going in the right direction. We talked about hospitalizations. We talked about positive test rates. You know, deaths maybe are slowly coming down. Um, but it's also important to remember that so far, you know, it hasn't slowed down as quickly as it's sped up. You know, I'm looking right now at the graph of hospitalization. It was a huge spike, and then flatten it flattened a little, and now it's been very gradually going down because it's not easy to get rid of this thing. And uh, even though the, the trends have been generally good, you know, we've seen other places and other countries that they can reverse quickly. So I'm always very careful when I talk about how the trends have been heading in the right direction, not to assume that that will continue and to emphasize that. You know, they're going in the right direction because we have taken some pretty extreme measures, and uh, you know we have to continue to be careful or we could wind up back where we were a month ago.
0: Well, Alex, thanks so much for talking with me. and um, your work is really great. Um, I, I love looking at these numbers every day because they're just so important to track um, to make sure that we can get to these reopening phases um, safely and successfully. Um, so keep up the good work and uh, hope to talk to you again soon.
1: Thanks, Shannon. I hope so.
0: For the latest COVID-19 information, visit CBIA.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA News and on Facebook. Call us anytime at 860-244-1900. Stay safe out there.